Good morning and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And I do apologize to all of you that joined me early this morning. I hit the wrong button. We had done 7 a.m. start times before we restarted Hangouts and Headlines after my vacation. And whereas I had intended to always start at 7.30, I had said 7 o'clock yesterday. A lot of buttons to hit, a lot of levers to pull. I apologize. That is entirely my fault. Hopefully some of you saw the chat comment that I pinned at the top of the the, the chat window. Uh, But for everybody that was disappointed, I hope you got to chat with each other. I love this community. I did see some of that going on while I set up the documents, right? I want to have a good show for you all. And I actually have like 14 tabs today. Not that that's 14 articles uh, that that we're going to read, but just to keep our understanding of what's happening in the various news articles that we're looking at. So we're basically going to have two sections that are related here. As you may or may not have seen, uh, we did get uh, Judge Azkarate's response to the post-trial motions that were filed by Amber Heard's team. Uh, We talked in our last episode of Hangouts and Headlines about what those motions did and didn't do for Heard's team, how they were responded to by Depp's team. And we had some guests on in that show, and I think we all kind of agreed that it seemed unlikely that they were going to find a a winning argument in there. The closest, of course, being that they had the oddity of claiming that a juror was not who was summoned to the pool and essentially implying that there might be some nefarious intent behind that. We'll actually see the court address that substantively a little bit. looks like the court did look into things, uh, at least superficially, uh, and then dismissed it in the same manner as they dismissed Uh, the other claims by Amber Heard's team, which puts us in a position to look at, well, they've got another couple of weeks to potentially appeal, uh, and we'll see if they do. They've certainly threatened that, but they threatened a lot of things in their interviews that didn't even show up in the post-trial motion. So we'll see what happens there. Every indication is that they will appeal, uh, but they still have to actually go and do it before we can move on to discussing that portion of the proceedings. That said... Happy morning, everyone. Where are you all hanging out in? Where are you from? I love to see those kinds of things. I know it's always going to be some Eorzea. I know I've just started the show and co-counsel already wants to enter. What's going on? I'm coming through blurry. Well, I apologize. I'll see if I can adjust that. I'm too blurry for my wife, ladies and gentlemen. You've heard it here first. If I can hit some buttons. Um, a little blurry out of sync. Sometimes that's the internet, folks. I do my best. We will see. It's possible that uh, I can uh, adjust the autofocus here and, and make it better. Who knows? <laughs> uh, thank you, honey. We'll see if that improves it. If it doesn't, just listen to my voice. Uh, hopefully that's coming through loud and clear. You can ignore everything here. We're ultimately going to have you know, a bunch of windows. I'm going to be very small, so you don't have to worry about it too much. Uh, Samantha Eason, so happy to have you back with many joys from Australia. Thank you so much for the super chat, Samantha. Uh, I'm happy to be back. I think those Wednesdays off are proving very, very necessary for catching up with other things, for otherwise uh, being able to engage uh, with some of the other things that I am doing. Uh, You may have seen some tweets that are maybe a little mysterious uh, that is probably going to result in an announcement today. So stay tuned, especially to that space. Uh, you may have seen a, a weird stream that I have posted a uh, a placeholder for. I am very, very, very excited about that. I can tell you it's Saturday at 10 a.m., um, but keep track of that one because I think uh, I think there's a fair chance that a lot of you are going to really, really be excited about that one. Oh, look, it's telling me that my internet has a uh, faulty connection. So we'll, we're going to do our best, folks. I have no idea what's going on there. Everything is otherwise connected. Um, but if there are any issues, I apologize in advance. Thank you so much, Samantha. We will see uh, how we do from there. Uh, good morning from Southeast Australia. we got two Australias. That's fantastic. Uh, Michigan, Denmark, all sorts of fun here. Um, Germany, I love it. Refresh rate, yes. No, I think it's it's upset about my internet for some reason. We're going to try to make do. I've never actually seen that symbol before. I've changed absolutely nothing, and I've forgotten to mute my phone. So it's just that kind of morning, folks. Uh, But hopefully we can get through this together. Hopefully it'll all work because I definitely prepped for a lot of stuff here. Last appeal date is the 24th. That's what uh, was indicated to us when we were looking at this the last time. 
Uh, we will see. Um, audio is perfect. Time lag on video. Hopefully we can make it work for whatever reason. Uh, my internet is having a tough morning. Uh, with that said, um, we've been hanging out a little bit. Let's do some headlines. A little blurry. Athens, Georgia, Philly, Jersey Shore. Love it all. Out of sync. I'm going to do my best, folks. Um, so I apologize. And uh, maybe the archive will come in better. We will see. Uh, M is mommy01. Did you see that Juror 15 is in IT management? I did. We're going to look at that document. I honestly think the court, <laughs> you know, we talked about the fact that Team Heard had given a lot of information for us to determine who this person is. The court added to that pretty significantly. Um, so my one concern about all of this is that I think Juror 15 is very identifiable, uh, either for people that are just interested or for potential bad actors. Uh, and I would hate to see anything happen on that score with anything uh, related to that. So, you know, obviously don't go looking for them. Uh, but I do think there's way too much information out there for people at this point in time. Uh, evening from Bangkok, the United Arab Emirates. Hi from Alabama. Fantastic stuff. Callista says, hey, there's a lot of people watching. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit all those buttons. That's fantastic. If you're new here, I haven't proven myself to you at all. So don't do those things. I wouldn't ask that of you. Uh, but I really appreciate all the support. Uh, good day from the future. Queensland, Australia. I always do think of it as the future. I have to admit, you cross the international date line and I say, I wonder what tomorrow's like. Thank you, Matt Bond. I really appreciate it. Mandy Stevens, country, Victoria, Australia. Wow. Number of Australians today. I love it. It's fantastic. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Florida. The video is terrible. I, I'm getting a little message that says that I'm sending out terrible video. Uh, so I'm hopeful that it uh, corrects itself here. I have everything plugged in. Nothing has changed on my end at all from the usual way that I do all these things. Um, so, yeah, I apologize for that. We can uh, I can just turn the whole thing off. Uh, if it's uh, if, if the video is bothering you, I can just uh, I can just logo up. Hi from Utrecht, Netherlands. Uh, thank you so much, Nikki Honders, for the super chat. I appreciate it. Uh, I think Mrs. Hoaglaw is really probably causing all the problems here. Uh, she's probably downloading Downton Abbey or, um, you know, tea recipes, gardening tips. We don't know. Um, but it really could be anything at the same time. It's also possible that one of these um, tabs or otherwise has a memory leak or something like that. Um, so we'll try to see. We will try to see on that um, and go from there. Otherwise, I will look at the various buttons that I have and, and maybe improve things. Um, but I apologize for it. We'll see what we can do with the camera. And if it starts to bother you again, you can flag it for me uh, and we'll go from there. Jay Birdie Lewis, my favorite American streamer. Is that, is that me? Or are you just, you're watching another streamer at the same time? As it's a reasonable time here for me and not the middle of the night, early morning. Happy Thursday night from Australia. Happy Thursday night, Australia. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, let's see. Uh, Robin Runkle called it that someone was in IT. Uh, yes, they did mention that. Uh, and this is, in fact, that's what is on the juror page. We're going to look at it. It's released by the court. It's public information uh, here. Uh, and it's a part of the public filing. Uh, but it is it is interesting. Absolutely. Leave juror 15 alone. No question at all. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe we will maybe we will logo up on this today. Um, probably bandwidth. Blame size P. Yeah, it looks like bandwidth to me. I mean, like that's that's the flag I'm getting. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I did hit some buttons yesterday that I'm now thinking about that maybe I have to go back and uh, review. Um, so. We will do that, but first, I think what we'll do right now, since I wasn't getting the warning on a logo, is we will stop the camera. We will go and talk about some of these things uh, that we saw. So we've got, as I said at the top of this video, a news story, of course, uh, as we cover here in headlines, judge rejects Amber Heard's request to set aside Depp win. But before we go and look at how they reported on it, which is fairly non-substantive, what we can look at is the fact that we can look at the motions themselves. So as we mentioned earlier on, the motions that Team Herd's uh, team has uh, put forth were always going to be difficult to win, right? If we look at the table of contents for just Amber Heard's team side, we see they say there's no evidence to support the damages 
We know that's not true. You don't have to listen. You don't have to believe to the, ev to the evidence of damages, but it was clearly presented in the case. The verdicts uh, on the complaint and counterclaim are inconsistent. We talked about how that's not true. Uh, the First Amendment bars recovery for defamation by implication when the statements at issue are true uh, and involve a public figure or matters of public concern. So when it's by implication, when you're otherwise using true statements, their argument is that you can't actually use implication for a active malice case, something that actually relates to a public figure. We said that was interesting uh, because it might not be answered in Virginia, but like these other items, and especially the items that we will see here, that there's a republication, how actual malice works, how the implication works, that those were things that we had seen ruled on in the case already, particularly in the motion to strike proceedings. And so since we knew Judge Azkarate had already said, yes, this tweet is enough for republication. As a, for instance, these lines as presented are enough to find implications slash innuendo in Virginia. We knew how the judge felt about these things. And so this all seemed pretty much like a waste of time. You are submitting to the judge that they're wrong on things that they've already spent years judging upon. And then the last interesting thing was, of course, Juror 15 should be investigated and was a potential problem for this trial. Uh, and, and that's where we left off things. We, we looked at Johnny Depp's response. Uh, his team responded as we would expect. Yes, they were supported. They are consistent. There's no issue with the First Amendment. You can absolutely find defamation uh, with these facts. Actual malice is well supported and implication is 100% in play. They fought a little bit about Juror 15 and that leads us to yesterday's findings uh, by the court. That's actually the release of paperwork. Here, Judge Ascarate comes in, doesn't give a hearing, doesn't give an explanation for most of the stuff, says, ordered as follows. Defendant Amber Laura Hurd's post-trial motions one through six are denied for the reasons stated on the record. So this is, this is one sentence. As we saw, this is the bulk of their document. By the time you get done with section six, you're on page 39 of 42. And the judge dismisses it with one sentence that basically says, you don't have a case. These motions are absurd. Look at what's in the actual trial record. I have already decided on these things. One through six denied for the reasons we've already talked about this entire time, right? Defendant Amber Laura Hurd's post-trial motion seven is likewise denied for a little bit of argument that we're going to have. Now, in order to talk about this properly, let's go back to the top here. Let's look at what Elaine Bredehoff and Team Amber Heard actually said about the juror, because we're going to find things that verge on uh, maybe a little bit inconsistent with what the court is going to say about this. So Amber Heard's team says you should investigate juror number 15. Court should investigate whether juror 15 properly served on a jury. On the jury panel list sent to counsel before voir dire, the court noted that the individual who would later be designated juror 15 had a birth year of 1945. Juror 15, however, was clearly born later than 1945. And this clearly born later is used by Johnny Depp's team to suggest that they knew it the whole time. Publicly available information demonstrates that he appears to have been born in 1970. This discrepancy raises the question whether Juror 15 actually received a summons for jury duty and was properly vetted by the court to serve on the jury, etc. You should look into it, 1970, 1945, and implying that maybe someone tried to slip into this very high-profile case. Uh, and if we go and we look at this, there's actually a supplement to this um, that we can see here, I believe, um, that says... Uh, the, the court should be very concerned, right? As the court no doubt agrees, it is deeply troubling for an individual not summoned for jury duty, nonetheless to appear for jury duty and to serve on a jury, especially in a case such as this. This was a high profile case. In fact, the state of Virginia says that. It's a little, a little bit odd for them to just have a page that says high profile cases, but they do. They have two, Depp v. Heard and something called Virginia versus Megan Hargan that I'm not familiar with, but you know maybe we should be. Maybe we'll take a look at that one uh, later. But suffice to say, in a high-profile case, the court should be specifically concerned. Fairfax County's juror questionnaire webpage furthers this goal of making sure they are who they say they are by requiring county residents to use their juror number, zip code, and birth date. These safeguards are in place and relied upon by the parties to verify the identity of the correct juror, despite all the stuff that we can otherwise quote that says it's on the parties to make sure that this stuff is right. So when the court dismisses this, again, 
with Team Herd essentially implying that there are nefarious bad actors in play here, the court gets maybe a little bit animated. Court says, the purpose of voir dire is to obtain a fair and impartial jury. Voir dire is necessary to ascertain whether any juror has any interest in the case or any bias or prejudice in relation to it, and that he, in fact, stands indifferent in the cause. We make sure that you don't have something in your past or in your tenor that would otherwise cause your uh, judgment to be put into question. That's normal. That's exactly what we want from the jury pool process. The summons issued to juror 15 listed his legal name and address, the right ones. That's what the court is saying here. And no birth date was noted. So stop, pause. One of the things that Team Heard had implied was that since the court had this birth date of 1945, it must have been a part of the summonsing process. And someone could have ignored that and put false information on their report to get to sit on this jury. Here, that's pretty much blown up. Because what the court says is, we looked, our summonses don't include birth dates. What was sent was this person's name at this person's house, uh, which leads a number of options open. One is that the state of Virginia intended to call the 1945-born individual, or that there was, in fact, an error, but the error was just in the recording of the juror docket uh, when they were putting together the directory for the parties in this particular case. Could have been either. I suspect it was the former, but there's absolutely no reason for anybody that gets this summons to know that the state of Virginia didn't intend to summon them. That's important. Because innocent mistake is a very important kind of argument here. No prejudice. Nobody's trying to game the system. There's no intentionality. So what are you doing here? And this should be the kind of thing that the parties, Amber Heard's team, would have noted for the court record. They should have been able to look at this and say, yes, this is the way this works. And, well, that kind of goes against our argument. Court looks at it, says, well, there's no date. The court has pulled Juror 15's juror questionnaire attached as redacted. Juror 15 completed the jury questionnaire as himself, filling in his proper birth date. He puts the 1970 date. The information presented on the jury questionnaire matches the information Juror 15 provided to the court. Juror 15 was vetted by the court on the record and met the statutory requirements for service. The parties also questioned the jury panel for a full day and informed the court that the jury panel was acceptable. Therefore, due process was guaranteed and provided to all parties in this litigation. Vardir was conducted in a fair and impartial manner with the court and both parties examining the potential jurors. There is no evidence of fraud or wrongdoing. So that's the big paragraph. Look, you talk about process. You talk about process being due. It's a constitutional requirement. It's very, very important to the administration of justice and the law. And yet what you say here is essentially a typo that didn't matter to anything related to whether or not your client got a fair trial. And so essentially get out of here with this, says the court. Further, they then go into kind of the latches, unclean hands. You waited on this kind of argument and you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to game the system in a court of law. Further, the defendant was provided the jury list five days prior to the commencement of trial and knew or should have known about the mistake at any time during the seven week pendency of the trial. She had every opportunity to object to or to voir dire on the issue. Parties generally must make objections at the time a ruling or order is made to put the court on notice that an issue is meant to be preserved. Despite defendant's assertion in footnote nine of her motion, Virginia Code 801353A clearly states, any error in the information shown on such copy of the jury panel shall not be grounds for a mistrial or assignable as error on appeal. It's a good silver bullet statement, as we said and the parties in the case shall be responsible for verifying the accuracy of such information. Consequently, defendant, as well as plaintiff, had an affirmative obligation to ensure the accuracy of the information provided for the jury panel. A party cannot wait until receiving an adverse verdict to object for the first time on an issue known since the beginning of trial. The issue has been waived. Now, interestingly there, right, the weird part about this fact pattern is if it is obviously different from what information these parties have been given, why doesn't either side mention it, right? Is both teams, are both teams holding this for later? Or is it just not as clear as Amber Heard's team would suggest for purposes of this conversation? I don't know. 
But the court points out that the plaintiff would also have the obligation to mention something that were off uh, about these records. It's also possible that they have so much paperwork and so many records uh, that this is the kind of thing that really can escape human scrutiny. And then at that point, Elaine Bredehoff and Team Heard shouldn't have said it was obvious and clear and all those things in their motion in this particular case. Even if, arguendo, even if we assume it's true, the objection had not been waived, objections to any alleged discrepancies in jury lists and any legal disabilities of potential jurors must be made in accordance with Virginia Code Section 801352. That section provides in relevant part that unless objection to such irregularity or disability is made pursuant to subsection A herein, and unless it appears that the irregularity was intentional, which is implied in their motion, or that the irregularity or disability be such as to probably cause injustice in a civil case to the party making the objection, then such irregularity or disability shall not be cause for summoning a new panel or juror or for setting aside a verdict or granting a new trial. It's rare that you have a situation that is exactly covered by the statute, but this is one of those cases and so the court is rightly swatting away at this thing. You had an obligation to find it. You had an obligation to object at the appropriate time. And if your objection doesn't relate to something intentional or that can cause injustice, then we don't re-impanel a new jury and we don't call a mistrial. Furthermore, while parties must make this objection while following the above procedure, the party moving under this code section must provide some evidence of prejudice. Defendant has neither followed the proper procedure nor shown evidence of prejudice. You didn't do anything right, Team Heard. Defendant does not allege Juror 15's inclusion on the jury prejudiced her in any way. The juror was vetted, sat for the entire jury, deliberated, and reached a verdict. The only evidence before this court is that this juror and all jurors followed their oaths, the court's instructions, and orders. This court is bound by the competent decision of the jury entered this 13th day of July, 2022. This is pretty close to a smackdown as you can get uh, from the court here. Doesn't mean that they're not going to try to preserve it for appeal and ask somebody that isn't the judge that has already made these decisions against them in this court case, but it strikes me as correct. Human beings are human beings. You don't kill the entire judicial system, an entire trial, all that money, all that time, all those resources for something that appears to be innocent mistake. By the time the court says this person lived there with this name. There wasn't a birth date noted. They had no reason to believe that there was anything amiss. And when we actually look at the questionnaire, they filled it out with their right birth date and didn't check anything about being 70 years old or older when discussing what their qualifications were, right? And this was on the internet. I know this was discussed a lot. Um, and I looked in Virginia law about the 70 years or older concept. And Rob might've already talked about this uh, or someone else in this space. But it doesn't appear like some people thought on the internet that if you were over 70, you were just ineligible for jury duty, but that you could otherwise say, hey, I'm old. And that was a reasonable exception, right? What they have is a box that you can check that says, I am 70 years of age or older and do not wish to serve. Uh, date of birth must be provided on the front, uh, but you can still be called clearly or else this checkbox wouldn't exist. Um, but the, the reason the judge is attaching this is because this juror appears to have done everything right. They responded to a summons. They gave two months of their lives. They answered all their questions accurately. And as we've seen from Judge Azkarate, as we've seen in other court contexts, courts don't like it when you impugn jurors for no reason, right? This juror was doing their civic duty. And if there was a mistake, it appears to have been a mistake either at the court level or at the level of these parties who have the obligation under the statute to make sure everything is right. And the court's not going to stand for you saying, hey, this juror is some kind of nefarious malefactor that is trying to sneak into your high profile case just to ding your client, at least not without evidence. And since you presented none, this is how this motion or this order is going to wind up looking. And that's the state of the motion practice here in this case. This is basically Judge Azkarate signing off uh, from all of this, probably uh, much to her happiness uh, after all of this is done. And then the next stage will be appeals. Uh, and we'll see if those go forward uh, and what they look like when they do. We will undoubtedly be talking about it in this space. Now, as I said, this has been reported on in various places. This is the Associated Press. I bring this up because a number of outlets use this, including The Guardian, which we've talked about a bunch in this space, use this article as kind of how to describe what just happened. 
And like most of these articles, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing inaccurate about what is said here. But the choices made about what to say here are at least a little bit telling. Uh, the Associated Press, the Guardians of the World, they, they really haven't ever quite uh, accepted that this is what happened here. And so what they tend to do, and what we'll see the Associated Press does here, is that they talk about the fact it was dismissed, and then they go on at length about what Amber Hurt's team alleged. And they don't really talk about defenses. They just imply that this was dismissed unceremoniously, but look at what was alleged, and aren't these things serious? So... The article, a Virginia judge on Wednesday rejected an effort by actress Amber Heard to set aside the $10 million judgment awarded against her in favor of her ex-husband, Johnny Depp. Depp won a defamation suit against Heard last month in a high-profile civil trial. Heard won a smaller $2 million judgment on a counterclaim she filed against Depp. Earlier this month, Heard filed a motion seeking to have Depp's verdict set aside or have a mistrial declared. Her lawyers cited multiple factors, including an apparent case of mistaken identity, with one of the jurors. Now that to me sounds like a paragraph that says, hey, they had, a, they had a real serious argument. When anybody that looks at this for any length of time says there are some interesting things with the juror, uh, everything else had already been decided upon and looked to overturn a jury verdict on basically no evidence. In a written order, Judge Penny Azkarate rejected all of Heard's claims and said the juror issue specifically was irrelevant and that Heard can't show she was prejudiced. And we get that last line from the document we just looked at. Then we get a little summary. He says, judge sued for $50 million in Fairfax County, uh, heard countered uh, for $100 million. We'll also see that this was a correction. They got these numbers wrong at the end. It's a wild time in the media. Uh, the jury awarded $15 million to Depp and $2 million to Heard on her counterclaim. The $15 million judgment was reduced to $10.35 million because Virginia law caps punitive damages at $350,000. The judge did not spell out the rationale for rejecting Heard's other claims in Wednesday's order. Now, reasonable minds can differ here on whether the judge spelled anything out. The judge says, go read the record, right? That's what the judge says, um, but doesn't otherwise explain why the record does what it does. So I'll, I'll, I'll allow the Associated Press to frame it this way. But after you start out with, hey, they raised a number of claims and the judge just dismissed it out of hand, you can create kind of a shadow image in somebody's head that this is a system that is a raid against Amber Heard. And we're going to talk a little bit about that NBC video uh, at the end of things here. You compound that concept, right? We talk about rhetoric here. We talk about what is the contouring and the messaging of an article. When you then go into depth about what Heard's complaints were, among other things, Heard argued that the $10 million verdict is unsupported by the facts and seems to demonstrate that jurors failed to focus on the fallout from the 2018 op-ed piece as they were supposed to do, and instead just look broadly at the damage Depp's reputation suffered as a result of alleged abuse. Now, Johnny Depp's team countered that entirely, uh, but that doesn't get mentioned here. Heard's lawyers also argued that the verdicts for Depp on one hand and Heard on the other are fundamentally nonsensical, and that's just flat out wrong. Johnny Depp's team argues against that, but anyone that reads these things and can do basic logic can tell you that you can make these jury verdicts consistent. That is what Heard argued, however, and so the Associated Press puts it forth here. Heard's lawyers also challenged the verdict on the basis that one of the seven jurors who decided the case was never summoned for jury duty. According to court papers, a 77-year-old county resident received a jury summons, but the man's son, who has the same name and lives at the same address, responded to the summons and served in his stead. Now, we just saw in this document with the attached Juror 15 questionnaire that the court says there is no date on the summons so there's no possibility that we can see on the outside that this individual who responds to the summons would have any way of knowing that this is, in fact, the case, if it is, in fact, the case. And yet the Associated Press reports it as, according to court papers, this happened. This is the this is the argument that Heard's team uses. We don't actually get any verification that this happened in this manner from the court itself. There is still the possibility of all sorts of little minor errors. It is a human system run by humans. Heard's lawyers argued that Virginia law is strict about juror identities. In the case of mistaken identities, is grounds for a mistrial. They presented no evidence. And here's the first kind of line you get uh, about Amber Heard's team. They presented no evidence that the 52-year-old son identified in court papers only as juror number 15, purposely or insidiously sought to replace his father. But they argued that possibility should not be discounted. They, in fact, imply it 
pretty heavily. But this they presented no evidence is, is good on the Associated Press. It's just after everything else that they otherwise uh, put forth here. Heard still has the ability to appeal the verdict to the Virginia Court of Appeals. The issues presented to the appellate court could well be different from the issues as Karate rejected Wednesday. In a separate order, the judge ordered that dozens of court documents be unsealed, including motions seeking to compel independent medical examinations of both Depp and Heard. A handful of documents will remain sealed, mostly because they contain personal contact information or personal medical information. Yes, this was a fight. Uh, so Team Heard thought all of this is under seal. The, the judge said in one of the hearings here, the final hearing, I think, on the 24th of June, no, this was only ever going to be sealed during the pendency of the trial and then announced that they're releasing basically everything. And what's not being released, they explain uh, for home addresses, personal contact information, personal medical information is a, is a shorter list of materials here. But everything else in the trial is going to be released. It's going to have people write books on it because it's such an interesting story for uh, the United States citizenry here. Uh, and uh, much to Team Herd's chagrin. So that got released. And then they point out, as the Associated Press ends, we earlier stated that Depp sued for $25 million and that Herd counterclaimed for 50. I have no idea how that happened. How in the world did those numbers come out from anybody? This seems to be like a reporter that remembers that Herd asked for double and then came up with 25, 50, like on the fly. Uh, it was obvious from the start that it was 50 and 100. So I, I guess good on you, Associated Press. Certainly better than the Washington Post for noting that you made the error and then corrected it within the document itself. But as I said, especially for those of us who have watched this, who have seen this, this is not a great report on what actually just happened with the motion documents. Obviously, we have more time in this space to go over what's occurring. And to see, these are the motions, this is clearly going to get kicked out because they don't say anything that the judge hasn't already ruled on. That juror thing is interesting, but we don't think it prejudices anything. Depp's team responds is in exactly the same way. We look at what the court says and says, essentially, how dare you um, to uh, team heard on their particular motion because they're impugning a juror that hasn't done basically anything. And that leads me into the second part of this discussion, lack of faith in the news. Uh, but before we do, we do have some super chats. I want to hit, uh, make sure I grab them uh, because I always, always, always appreciate the support. So uh, that, Sarah, good morning from pre-dawn California. Yeah, it's very early there. I am so sorry that I'm so early in the Western time zone, but I really appreciate your support. I really appreciate you popping in. Thank you so much for the super chat. Ginger Haynes, how did Johnny Depp's team miss this from the beginning? The juror side of things. I don't know, honestly. I'm not sure it is as obvious as Amber Heard's team is suggesting. I know it's a 25-year difference, but remember they're wearing masks the whole time, or at least it's it's possible that this jury is. I think some of them are, some of them aren't, uh, and that can hurt your ability to adjudge ages. And you aren't really looking for that because at the end of the day, whether they were born in 1970 or 1945, isn't the kind of bias that you're looking for. When you're engaged in voir dire, you're trying to make sure that these jurors haven't otherwise dealt with a situation like this or isn't just a huge Johnny Depp fan, right? If you think of the people that showed up for trial and they were on the jury, you'd want to voir dire them out of there. Not because there's anything wrong with them as people, but because if you're just a huge, huge Johnny Depp fan and you brought the alpacas to the courthouse, you don't want them judging this case. That's not how you get an impartial uh, jury. So you go through the process, but you're not usually looking for what year you were born in because at the end of the day, it, it shouldn't matter. And in fact, you're not allowed to, to voir dire on certain protected characteristics outside of actual bias for the case at hand. Tracy Fagan, you have to read the final order. It is hilarious. Um, yeah, I, I did. I did read the I did read the final order. I read the two orders. Absolutely. Uh, no problems there. Um, did you check on the Orlando Pension Fund versus Twitter? Asks Will Clem. I have not uh, yet. I did see that link, um, but I have not checked in on it. Uh, I will uh, pop in there. I'm going to probably cover Elon and Twitter maybe today, uh, maybe tomorrow, just talking about the breakdown of that three hour plus stream. If you're at all interested, I go through the entire complaint uh, and looking at just kind of follow ups and what Twitter's strongest arguments are. So that's a planned video. We'll see if I get to it uh, today, but I will look into that. I promise. I, I, I do apologize for not having hit it yet. Um, and then you do see people commenting, right? Unfortunately, AP is no longer a trusted objective resource since they took propaganda funding from the administration. Well, I, you know, I don't know the exact funding status of the Associated Press. 
But I do think that all of these institutions have kind of a um, kind of a uh, trust issue. Right. And so I do I do think that there are problems uh, with the institutions. And I do see people pointing me to a footnote here. I don't know if I, I, I saw or missed a footnote um, uh, in this document. Uh, but otherwise, I think that we do have a news institutions that are not so terribly trustworthy. Uh, and I, that's a shame. Right. I, I run a show here called Hangouts and Headlines where we look at these various things, not just to throw news institutions under the bus, but to discuss what they're saying and how. And unfortunately, I think they are losing that credit. And that's why the next item that we're going to talk about is an article that Axios put out. And Axios does things a little bit differently than other outputs. They use kind of bullet statements in short form uh, sentences. They think that works better for communicating to their uh, their customer base. I can't say that they're wrong, uh, but they entitled it News Engagement Plummets as Americans Tune Out. Now, before we even start on any of this, I want to point out that I find this article very odd. Uh, we've got statistics that are popping up that they're going to use to try to back up some of their claims. And those statistics don't appear to back up their claims. But they do if you take the world in a very specific way. And that is that quote unquote news are items of reporting that come from the biggest outlets. Right. And this is going to assert that Americans are no longer interested in news, primarily because they aren't otherwise engaging with things like the top five news sites and the top 12 news media apps. And I'm going to talk about why I think that is a little bit, that'll be a little bit editorial, obviously, as a content creator that regularly discusses news. So take that as you will, of course. But I do think this fundamentally misses what's happening right now in the environment. I agree that people are no longer going to CNN and MSNBC and other cable news outlets at the same rate that they were going to before. I agree that they aren't otherwise engaging, particularly in Facebook news sharing in the way that they were before, and that maybe they aren't going to the top five news sites in the way that they were before. But I would posit, my thesis would be that a vast portion of quote unquote news and news sites has moved over to opinion editorial over the raw news reporting that all of us find useful all the time. We in headlines still use raw news reporting as well as op-eds and certainly in virtual legality when I need to know facts on the ground and get a feel for what my analysis is going to be. We still need those reporters. Journalism is an important role for us getting the information that we want, but it's easy enough to dismiss the how I feel about it portion of newspapers or cable news or whatever, and still get to the crux of what that news is and then evaluate it for ourselves or like you blessed people are doing, evaluating it with me in a place like Hangouts and Headlines and Virtual Legality. Now, I wouldn't count for this. This engagement that you're currently engaged in wouldn't count for this calculus. They would say that you have disengaged from news because you're otherwise just hanging out with Hogue uh, every morning. And I would argue that that isn't disengagement but it is a different kind of engagement and it isn't captured by this kind of question. Axios, this chart, the Associated Press, the institutional news media would say, uh-oh, you all are not engaging with us anymore, but they aren't news alone. Engagement with news content, says Axios, has plunged during the first half of this year compared to the first half of 2021 and in some cases has fallen below pre-pandemic levels. Why it matters? Americans have grown exhausted from the constant barrage of bad headlines that have replaced Trump-era crises, scandals, and tweets. Now, this is odd, right? We've got this chart. We don't have any other references in this. This is just a raw assertion. Uh, I like Axios. Uh, they do a lot of cool stuff, uh, and they have a lot of good stories and things that you can pull out pretty easily. But I don't see necessarily any indication that Americans are exhausted from a barrage of bad headlines. I do think Americans are perhaps exhausted from knowing what they have seen and being told that it was something different or having reporting that at least on the margins is skewed in one direction or the other. So I think a lot of folks, I can speak for myself here and I'm not the be all end all, but I think a lot of folks are going, trying to get the notion of something happening in the world, the facts as best as we can, and then analyzing it in other places outside the Washington Post, the Associated Press, the New York Times, the Guardian, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever it might be, and evaluating those together with voices that 
we otherwise trust a little bit more than those institutional voices that are constantly changing journalists or op editorial writers or what have you and seem to be a little bit more slanted. Now, does that mean that I don't have biases? No, I'm a human being just like everybody else. Does that mean that anybody that you might listen to doesn't have biases? No, they're human beings like anyone else, unless there's some really advanced AI that is otherwise reporting on these things. I don't know about, but I would be interested in checking out. In the case of a human being actually telling you these things, however, we can, and I strive to, tell you when I'm tilted, right? Obviously, for these stories, I'm an alternative content creator that makes things related to the news. I am, if I'm being honest, the kind of thing that these reports are designed to squash down. They're designed to tell you that I'm not real news and that I'm advancing, oh, I don't know, what does the Associated Press say? Conspiracy theories. Right. And I'm not going to read this article. We've do got we do have one line here where this Associated Press kind of doubles down uh, on its own and says, hey, you should trust us and not them. Uh, but when we're talking about this, I am invested personally. So you should evaluate that. That's what a disclaimer of bias looks like. You can evaluate that and say, no, I, I think Rick's still being fair, but I can take into account that he, he is personally interested in this story. Or you could say, nah. Rick's got too much skin in the game. Those YouTube dollars are just too, too lucrative. Uh, so he's going to advance this ball against the New York Times and the Associated Press, and I don't believe a word he says. Totally fair. That's up to you and your critical thinking skills to evaluate what it is that I am saying. The big picture. The level of news consumption in 2021 took a nosedive following historic highs in 2020. Remember, news consumption, they still haven't established what it is yet. Despite a slew of major stories, Readers have retrenched further in 2022. So this big negative number, negative 50, negative 19, negative 16, negative 18, those are actually following on from even bigger negative numbers going from 2020 to 2021. So those compound, right? So what we see is not just the American people moving away from traditional news stories. We are also seeing, in all likelihood, pandemic changes in shifts of what people are doing, right? 2019 to 2020 to 2021 is an era where a lot of people were forced to stay in their homes a lot more than they otherwise would be and engage with cable news or engage with Facebook in a fashion that maybe people are releasing themselves from and they're going to national parks or doing whatever else it is that they are doing, which is also a part of this story. But it's presented here by Axios as, oh my God, people are becoming less informed and not doing anything like watching these various things. Cable viewership across the three major cable news networks, CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC, is on average down 19% in primetime for the first half of this year compared to the first half of 2021. Now, that sounds bad, right? They've combined CNN, Fox News, and MSNBC to establish that viewership is way down. But if we read further, and this is to Axios' credit, it seems to suggest something a little bit different than people not engaging with the news. Those losses skew heavily towards CNN and MSNBC, which are down 47 and 33% respectively. Fox's ratings are up 12% in that six-month span. You do not have to like Fox News. You do not have to like MSNBC or CNN. But if you're reporting on this as everybody flees news media, you might want to dive a little bit deeper into, wait, they appear to only be fleeing CNN and MSNBC, which at least in the United States skew leftward and are going to Fox News, which skews rightward. We've talked about Rupert Murdoch's empire. We don't need to go into it at more length here. And But that's a worthy thing to discuss. You don't have to like it. You don't have to report it positively if you've got a problem with it, uh, or you can if you don't. But this is more than just people fleeing news. This is people going in a specific direction. That's the story that I see here from this bullet point. And that would be very interesting to me to see a journalist dive into a little bit more. News app sessions for the top 12 mainstream most traffic publishers dropped 16% in the first half of 2022, according to data from Aptopia, which is a great name for an app analytics firm. Now, again, we see what you are losing are that authoritative sources concept. And I've done videos here, again, tilted, about how YouTube moving towards only valuing authoritative sources over people like me that might otherwise have authority on specific circumstances like law and business and mergers uh, is, I think, harmful to the zeitgeist and to the information flow for people that are interested in those topics. But it doesn't mean that people aren't going and finding that information, right? We've doubled in size this past year. 
Uh, and part of that, I like to think, is that we're putting out good analysis that people enjoy uh, and is well-balanced and reasonable minds can differ. And we discuss that every single day. But that means that you might not be going as much to whatever the top 12 mainstream most traffic publishers are because you're getting analysis from a different place. And that doesn't mean you dropped finding out facts on the news. I'm not out there. I'm not an investigative journalist. I have to rely on that journalism and those efforts as well as anybody else. But I can do analysis on things that is different from those publishers. So again, we kind of see Axios here hiding the ball a little bit. This is news. If you're not going to the top 12 mainstream most traffic publishers, you're not engaging with the news. And I think that is flatly incorrect for the year 2022. Website visits for the top five news websites in the U.S. by unique visits tracked by similar web dropped 18% in the first half of 2022. People are going elsewhere, especially, I would say, for opinions and editorials. Because the one thing that is clear from this kind of democratization of analysis is that there is no special magic spell that people that happen to have a masthead have for having better opinions than maybe somebody else. So while we need that news gathering information, we need that effort actually used. When we are looking for analysis, we don't have to bind ourselves to the five top news websites in the U.S. Engagement on social media with news articles cratered over the past six months, dropping 50% since the first half of last year, despite more articles published, according to data from NewsWhip. Engagement is measured by interactions with articles posted, which includes likes, comments, and shares. People aren't otherwise passing that stuff around as much. Obviously, there's a lot going on there. If you've been following the tech side of things at all, Facebook and other linking sources have been getting pushed by news sources. Various governments of the world have pushed them to pay money and change their algorithms. Facebook's working on a news tab that is still moving people around in terms of how they interact with that platform, which is what Axios says to their credit. The steep drop off in social media engagement with news was likely influenced by Facebook's de-emphasizing news in the newsfeed, but also the fact that these platforms are trying to be charged for the passing on of these articles. When you ask for money in exchange for something, you are going to proliferate less of it, right? Free to play games get a lot more eyeballs to start out with because they are free to play. Doesn't mean they don't make money, of course, uh, in the video gaming space. And similarly, if it's free to read an article or to pass it along, it's going to get more volume than it is if it costs a dollar to get in. And if you're Facebook and you're a vendor in a platform, if you have to pay money, you're going to be less inclined to actually send those articles around than you would be if you don't pay money. This was discussed when all of these rules and regulations and statutes first started being talked about. It is no surprise that that is in fact the case here. Yes, but zoom out. In some cases, engagement has fallen below pre-pandemic levels. A news diet whiplash among the top 12 news apps, again, sessions in the first half of 2022, are down 13% compared with the first half of 2019 per Apptopia. Engagement with news articles on social media has created from the pre-pandemic rate, with interactions down 42% in the first half of 2022 compared to the first half of 2019. And the pre-pandemic comparison for cable news viewership also shows a drop with numbers for the three major cable news networks in primetime down 15% in the first half of 2022 compared to the first half of 2019. And again, Fox News is up slightly. Okay, I, that's the obvious story in the middle of this thing, right? But MSNBC and CNN are down 16% and 35% respectively. Then they tell us to be smart. And here's where stats get weird. Interest in the presidency has declined considerably under Biden compared to his predecessor, fueling some of the engagement declines. Well, that sounds interesting. What are your bullets to back that up? Trump and Biden have generated the same level of Google searches. You just told me interest in the presidency has declined considerably. And your first piece of evidence is that they have the same level of searches. I don't know how I'm supposed to follow this, Axios. In the year and a half after Trump took office in 2017, he generated seven times more search interest than former President Obama. Okay, so Obama is president, Trump comes in, multiplies by seven, and then Biden comes in and holds that. Is, is that right? He's at that multiple of seven. So how do we get to interest in the presidency has declined considerably? And then how do we further get to you telling me to be smart? I want you to be smart. What am I looking at here, Axios? Am I missing something? Chat will let me know if I'm missing something. Always happy to be proven uh, to be dumb on this point, but... They're just asserting that it's declined considerably and then saying it's the same. So there we go. Then we get again another raw assertion. Survey data shows Americans have grown weary 
Amid what feels like a never-ending cycle of bad news, the percentage of respondents to Reuters Institute's annual digital news report said that sometimes or often actively avoid the news is 42% in 2022, up slightly from 38% in 2017. Now, the real question there is what do we mean by the news, right? Is there a defined term that is put forth in these questions, or is it assumed to be only these top 12 uh, apps, these top five websites? Where do you get your news? Where do you get more and more of your commentary on that news? Because ops and ads were a big deal for newspapers and their interactions and cable side of things. And if you aren't engaging with that, that can look very much like you are reducing your news flow. Interest in news among those surveyed in the U.S. fell 12 percentage points from 55% last year to 43% in 2022, where again, the question becomes, what is news? And how does that mean they've grown weary exactly? Right, Because the alternative argument here is they've grown distrusting, that they don't feel like CNN or MSNBC or even Fox or any of their websites or anything like that are giving an accurate picture of the world around them. And that's not weary of bad news. That's not weary of headlines. But it does have the possibility of being weary of having their messaging contoured and colored until they get to a place where they don't believe what they're hearing. And that's what I think we have seen so far, just in what we have talked about in Hangouts and Headlines. And I do not say that to toss all media under the bus. I want to see them do better because I can't be everywhere. I am not a journalist. I don't get those investigations done, and I think they are important. But I think that people don't see them happening right now in a way that is useful to them. Finally, we, of course, get to what we would have been expecting in this article all along, which is what to watch. A country facing one calamity after another appears desperate for diversions. Sports and celebrity trials, you'll never guess what that links to, have often overshadowed hard news over the last two years. Now, this has never been a hard news channel. Yes, we cover Supreme Court cases of significance and importance, but we always cover everything else through the veneer of video games, pop culture, technology, crazy Twitter deals, that kind of thing. And so I think that be heard fits in fine with that. Other reasonable minds may differ. I know I've heard the comments and gotten the messages. Uh, but I do think that it's not fair to say that just because everything is bad, sports and celebrity trials have overshadowed hard news. It is because of that reporting. And I do think after Depp v. Heard, a lot of eyes have been opened to what are the contours that are given to that story that we're familiar with and potentially applying that to stories with which we aren't as familiar. And as I said, AP is going out with articles about how the folks that listen to social media are all kind of conspiracy theorists. This is a whole big, long thing that effectively has, as part of its ending thesis, believers are more likely to get their information from social media, which I believe includes us, than professional news organizations. It's all a thesis to say this crazy person that we're going to do a biography on is part of them. They aren't watching the news anymore. They aren't reading the AP. They are the folks that Axios is calling out in this article, and you should be wary of them, which is just really, really interesting to see coming off of that be heard because the press really has come down hard on everything related to that particular case. And I find it fascinating. And we saw it again I believe it was yesterday that this went live. It was at least yesterday that I saw it on my timeline, which I know a number of you were talking about in the chat number were messaging me about, which is NBC News put together a documentary on their YouTube channel called A Marriage on Trial, which, as you might expect, does not necessarily take the neutral tone you would think it would for a verdict that was found unanimously in Johnny Depp's favor. Instead, and I'm not going to go over the entire video with you, I will just leave you with how they end with three separate quotes that kind of give the patina of what they did with this documentary. So they, these are different people. They have this documentary is constructed primarily with just different talking heads, giving different statements and kind of organized uh, in the way that NBC wants. And so you have the first quote here. I think looking back, people are going to think of this as the TikTok trial, the social media trial, the fan trial, because his fans really came out in such full force and really having fun with what were some pretty horrific claims. This trial really demonstrates the power of the internet and how campaigns for public opinion can shape real world effects. So whether you're in politics, media, entertainment, this presents itself as a playbook. You know, I saw, oh, is me too over? And uh, you're down tootin' it's not. 
How do we deal with something like what just happened? She wrote an op-ed about her domestic violence. The op-ed and the social media were weaponized against her. So what does that mean to someone else who may want to talk about this? It's going to be tough. We can do it. I never say no. And I pulled those because that's the end. That's the conclusion. That's what they leave you with. That is one of the places where a documentary like this one really tries to put forward its thesis statement. Uh, and as you can see, it is very slanted in how it looks at this trial. It talks about it being Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, and truth in the age of social media, which as a describer of truth as a variable is intended to indicate that it isn't truth as we would see it. It is something other. And social media and TikTok and YouTube and everyone else pushed against what was actually happening here in a fashion that as they finish was damaging to Amber Heard. When we've gone over this, we don't need to go over it again. But obviously, if Amber Heard is lying, she is not entitled to any of this defensive metrics that we see from so many corners. It isn't believe liars. It's believe potential victims and investigate those things because they deserve that legal redress. And that line continues to get blurred by people that have whatever interest I don't understand in defending what happened on Amber Heard's side of the argument. So those are the headlines today. I wanted to talk about them all with you because I think they are a part of the same story. What do you all think? We'll be doing some super chats. We'll be talking with some chats. Uh, but otherwise, I'm very interested in hearing from what you guys think, because we're going to have more of these articles about articles, headlines about headlines, as this continues to happen. The traditional news media, whether that's cable channels or big time apps, which are now traditional based on the age of the Internet or anything else, are going to continue to see this, in my estimation. Now, maybe that you know, flattens out at some point, but you're not going to see a great deal of growth, except maybe in Fox, which isn't covered at all by Axios, but I'd be interested in seeing why that is happening. And you're going to see that, and you're going to see more and more articles like this one, trying to put the issue of trust on the people and making the people that don't trust the institutions look crazy. And I understand the incentives. I understand that it is to the benefit of the Associated Press or any of these various institutions to do that, but I would rather not see that done because I don't think that is a fair examination of what is actually occurring here. And if they don't get to fairly examining it, they're going to find themselves behind the bus. In any event, that is what we talked about in terms of headlines today. Let's look at some of those super chats. I apologize again for the video. I'm still seeing the little dot that says that we're having problems broadcasting. I will look at that after this broadcast. Hopefully I'm still understandable. Uh, but I want to thank Yuhan Mohan for the uh, super chat. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the support. Miles Heffernan says, might be early in California, but you are 9 p.m. in Australia and it's a perfect time. Maybe Depp liked Juror 15 and that is the beginning and end of the tale. Birth certificates are the plaything of Trump. Winky face emoji. I'm not sure I understood the ending of that. But in terms of Juror 15, I think if it is obvious, it's a little bit odd uh, that Team Depp also didn't respond. And I think that's suggestive of it not being obvious, but it could also be that both were playing strategy and would have gotten smacked down by the court in the same way for whoever had lost the case uh, in front of the jury. Leanne G, you're one of the hardest working lawyers on this platform. Thank you so much. When I when I do things, I like to do them right. Uh, please don't feel you have to apologize for not covering everything. I never can. Immediately, all of the time, red heart emoji. I don't, I, I apologize because I feel like I could always be doing more. Um, but uh, when I take Wednesdays off, when I set these schedules, it's really because if I don't do those things, uh, then I will just burn out and then there won't be anything covered. So we'd have to try to find that balance together where we cover as much as we can, uh, but don't otherwise stop covering anything. Uh, so I really appreciate the kind words and thank you so much for the support. Apple pie, if not for you, my engagement with these things would be negative. Hmm. Emoji. Well, I, I don't blame you. We're looking at some of these things and the accusations that are made and saying, that's not how I saw things. I don't think that's fair. Uh, but I do always try to be an optimist and try to give the benefit of the doubt. I do, however, see the reasons why a number of these institutions are not trusted right now. Yogi Bear, have my dollar dues for your conspiracy theories. Clown emoji. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I don't think we conspire here, except with respect to Square Enix release dates. Those are never true. They're never accurate. And I think they're picked out of a random uh, ping pong ball bucket 
only to give me hope for a new Final Fantasy that is never, ever coming. But that is a conspiracy theory. Ruby Rudy, good morning from Long Beach, California. Some of us Californians are up so early because we have to get through our lovely California traffic. Well, if I can be commute time audio, I am very thankful for that. I know I always needed that when I was commuting longer distances than I am today. So if I can do that, I feel very good about it. Thank you for all your great work and being the gamer's lawyer. Thank you for loving gaming. And thank you for hanging out with us and supporting the channel. I really appreciate it. Uh, what else do we have here? Andrew Orndoff. Did did you look through the digital news report Axios references? Seems like some interesting, more granular information there. Hard to grok quickly. I looked at the links that seemed to link to things that were interesting um, based on what they were saying, which I didn't find. But yes, it is a summary report of a deeper survey and report. I have no doubt that there is more interesting information there. It's always the problem with the Axios approach is I think they go one level too superficial. Um, so that's worth noting. You can go another level and look at some of these surveys. Uh, but I still think you have the fundamental problem, which is that your overall hypothesis is that engagement with the high level authoritative source media, the top five websites, the top 12 apps is what you define as engaging with the news. And I think what you are seeing is not people saying we're never going to engage with news anymore, but you're seeing a cultural shift in what that news is and how people are engaging with it that is missed by that thesis statement. That's that's my thesis on what's happening with something like the Axios article. And of course, reasonable minds can differ on that. I'm always interested in constructive criticism and disagreement with what my own thoughts are on that. So if anybody wants to you know, say something else, say that they see something else in that Axios article, hopefully we're having those conversations here all the time. So I very much appreciate the super chat. Tracy Fagan, I would like the news to give me all sides of a situation and let me make up my own mind. Yeah, ideally that would be how it works. But you know, either way, whether you say, hey, we're just going to present facts and it's going to be neutral or neutral as best neutral as we can make it, or we're going to do, this is what this side looks like. This is what this side looks like for more kind of political questions or uh, you know, uh, international questions, however that might be. Those would both be good. And they are sometimes doing that in good articles. I just read a, a great article I really liked on Vox, for instance. And I know Vox has been here in this space. Uh, and I've complained about various things that they have said about X, Y, or Z. Vox does some good work. And I enjoy reading that good work that they do. It's not every time. But as long as you can evaluate yourself, uh, that works out for you. But yes, I would rather see more of these institutions striving to do that. Mandy Stevens, analysis of the visual for the NBC doc. Uh, JD looks stern and Amber Heard looks down, slightly looking meek. It is interesting how visuals can also act to try to influence. Absolutely. When you're graphically designing those various things, you are 100% trying to set up expectations for what you are about to see, right? So I don't know if he looks stern, but he definitely isn't looking down like Amber Heard does. Uh, if we were to analyze this from afar, kind of pop culture psychology, she looks like the victim and he doesn't uh, in this particular instance when what was found in court is basically that Johnny Depp was victimized either in the instant case in his marriage directly or certainly by the defamation that Amber Heard engaged in. That's what the jury found. So you don't have to agree with it, but when you are reporting on it, maybe you don't slide completely away from that as if the jury were crazy in making that determination. Mrs. Hoaglaw, who has Hogue mentions Final Fantasy on their bingo card? Are you guys playing bingo games with what I have to say on these videos behind the scenes? I tell you what, um, Gecko Gamer, are you going to do a vid on the Internet Archive lawsuit? I have done a video on the Internet Archive lawsuit. Is there a new one? I will look into it. I will look into it. Absolutely. Uh, Prototopic Square never releases on time. 25 years to get Kingdom Hearts 4. Laughing emoji, laughing emoji. Yeah, we'll see. I actually think Kingdom Hearts was moving faster because they're using Unreal instead of their internal engines. So I think they got a better shot of it than they would in other instances. Uh, Ruby Rudy, I saw that NBC doc and what saddens me is that Me Too cannot bring themselves to look objectively at the evidence presented and admit that Amber Heard was just dishonest about what happened to her. Yeah, I don't understand why it would destroy Me Too. Certainly we understand that women are human beings too and are capable of lying. Dismissing the liar uh, from your uh, movement should be easily done, I would think. Uh, but instead, what is happening is a kind of circling in the wagons that she isn't uh, lying. And I, I don't blame anybody for evaluating things on their own. That's fine. But I do think that there should be more voices that at least look at what happened and come to the conclusion that say, you know what? 
She is a bad exemplar case for what we want to be doing with our movement. And we still want to make sure that victims are heard. We should start separating from this particular look because it is a bad one for what we want to accomplish with the justice system. But they aren't doing that. And why they aren't doing that is uh, certainly an interesting uh, question. So uh, those are all the super chats uh, right now. Again, if you want to tag me, I can usually find those uh, with an at Hoaglaw tag. But I think we've covered most of what I wanted to talk about today. We've gone through the motions. Uh, we've gone through what this NBC documentary did. I did pull those quotes just because I wanted to establish kind of what it sounded like from my perspective going through it. Uh, and I think we had a, a fun hangout session uh, with everybody. Well, here's Britt. I love how legacy media reports we are losing viewers because of all the misinformation on the internet. While for the past 20 years, it can be demonstrably proven they twisted stories to suit the narrative they wanted. Well, I don't even know about 20 years, right? I mean, I think in the face of Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard, you can look at what your lying eyes told you and see it reported completely differently. And I think if it's the first time that you've really seen something so brazen, you start to evaluate everything else that you've ever seen, right? And we can't know everything. We can't be experts on international affairs and macroeconomics and everything else that might otherwise be reported on. So if you lose that faith on something that you do know and you looked at yourself, that has a negative knock-on effect for the entirety of the paper or the website or the app. And that in and of itself combines into its own snowball of a negative knock-on effect for all of news media, which I don't think is good for society. I think lacking trust in all of the outlets that are reporting on these things is bad, but I do see them doing it to themselves to at least some extent. Thank you so much for the super chat. Um, and so with that, I think we're going to take, uh, you know, just a, an hour long episode, a little bit more than that, an hour long plus episode uh, before moving on to what I hope will be a casual Friday episode. And like I said, look out for that placeholder. I will look to see what in the heck is happening with my internet and look out for that other please stand by placeholder to get replaced with some pretty big news uh, for this Saturday morning in short order. Uh, one that I think you're really going to like. We're going to have a lot of fun on Saturday. And that is all I will say for right now. Thank you everyone for hanging out with me in Hangouts and Headlines. And I will see you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.